Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prep for all naturals, where beef meets freedom. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the J.D. Rucker Show. I'm your host, J.D. Rucker, and it is a, I, I, it's, it's great coming off these long weekends, these, uh, these holidays, especially if they are not loaded with too much crazy stuff. Now, I know there's crazy stuff everywhere, so I shouldn't even, even mention it. It seems that every day we're faced with more and more and more craziness, and that's, uh, it's just, just the new normal. I guess ever since really you can date it back to, I guess you could say around the time that, that uh, uh, Barack Obama really started destroying America. And then of course the, the 2016 election and everything that happened after that, the left going absolutely insane for four years and culminating in basically the destruction of the United States of America with the installation of Joe Biden as president. But Hey, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're, we're big boys and girls here. We have to, to deal with it any way we can. And one of the ways that I deal with it is by praying, staying hopeful, continuing to fight the good fight in the best way that I can, which is to get the word out, talking about some of these crazy things and some of the good things that are happening. It's not all crazy. Some of it's actually kind of good, but not not a lot of it. We are very blessed to be able to do this show and to, to bring this show to you all as we do Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. Pacific time. It's uh, it's it's crazy that we're we're actually on shortwave radio. I know that that my good friends over at WWCR and my my producers over at BBS Radio uh, appreciate you all as much as I do because they really drive me to to continue to put out these shows, to continue to wake up at an ungodly hour to to do it because it's necessary. This is what we've got to do to fight the good fight. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Today we're going to be talking, at least in the first hour, a lot about 
globalism. There's this, there's this need to to continue to bring it up. And I know that this, many of you are tired of hearing about pandemic treaties and and DNA collection and central bank digital currencies, but we can't. We can't grow sick of it. We can't be, become too numb to it because if we do, then then the globals will win. You know, I am a big fan of of having having actions ready to talk about. I want to. I don't want to just offer gripes. I want to to offer solutions. And it's it is challenging because this isn't like you know fighting fighting a a local politician or even DC or or you know some corporation or some criminals or or whatever. When we're dealing with globalists, many of us just do not have access to be able to to try to fight to try to take the the fight to them. They are not here. They, it's not like we can just walk up to to Klaus Schwab's mansion. He had to plan a trip. I don't even know where he lives, but you have to plan a trip to wherever he is and or wherever he's going if you want to try to make your voice heard. And we, as we know, chances of that making any dent are are minimal, maybe maybe zero. It's not going to change his his mind, change his direction, change anything that he's trying to do to destroy not just the United States of America, but the world as a whole. So what do we do? And we can go online, we can inform people. I'm a big fan of making sure that everybody is is very well taken care of um, by themselves, not dependent on government. There's if, if you can get one takeaway from my shows, it's that do not rely on government for anything. Any way that you can break away, I don't care if you're receiving assistance from them, you know, anything that you get from government, try strive to detach yourself from it because that's going to be used against you if if i'm correct if things are really heading in a direction towards totalitarianism here and abroad as it seems to be the case then you don't want to be dependent on them because they will control you i mean they'll they'll try to control us even if we're not dependent on them I always say, get out of the cities while you can. Get out of, get away from even suburbs. Get to a place where you can, can start taking care of yourself without assistance. And you might say, oh, you know, I take care of myself just fine, you know. But, but do you really? I mean, are you, are you off grid? Do you rely on, on government subsidized and often government controlled energy? You know, what happens if, if government or, or even their, their partners within the the uh, various companies supplying the grid, what if they decide, hey, you know what? No water, no electricity, no internet, no whatever. Whatever it is you need, are you ready to be able to handle that situation? And if you're not, then it's time to try to get ready. And I know a lot of you out there are like, it's just impossible. I just, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm, I'm too, yeah, I have too many friends here that need me, too many relatives that need me, or I need my relatives, I need my friends. There's plenty of reasons why you can't. And I understand, I'm not trying to, to, to belittle you. I mean, here I am, I'm being a hypocrite by saying that because I am actually in a, in a suburb. It's a city suburb or whatever. It's not a, not a major city, but I am, I am smack dab right in the middle between uh between Los Angeles and San Diego, you know, and it's like, okay, well, Mr. Hypocrite, and I know because I have a situation, a very, very specific situation, familial, that uh, that prevents me from going, moving to a, a homestead in Montana or something. I would love to. Maybe, Lord willing, I'll get there. I'll be able to take take my family there, but we just can't today. So I, I'm not trying to. I please don't take it the wrong way when I say get out of the cities no matter what. It, it's 
for some of us, it's not possible. But if it is possible for you, if you have the ability to detach any way you can from government, do so. You know, be ready for the various ways they're going to try to control you. And and we already know the playbook. Okay, Henry Kissinger relayed the playbook to us many many years ago when he said that that uh, who controls the food supply controls the people. That's us. Who controls the energy can control entire continents. We're seeing that already happening. And of course, he said, who controls the money can control the world. And that's a good segue into this, this first story we have today. This one comes from Reclaim the Net, reclaimthenet.org. If you're not reading them on a regular basis, if you don't have them bookmarked, please do so now. Uh, great site, great insights. They, they cover important topics. I would say, you know, unlike a lot of these conservative sites, including my own, you know, they don't really mess around with with the stuff that, that we don't need to know about, okay? Um, and that's not to say that they give you everything you need because obviously they're very specific about things that pertain to privacy, to, to online security, to our rights, freedoms. They they focus on that, but they do a very good job of doing just that. And this, this article by Cindy Harper titled, IMF Director Says CBDCs Could Replace Cash, increase quote financial inclusion there's that inclusion word that inclusion word that's that's very very much a part of the whole dei trend or as as my good buddy over at the liberty daily matthew burke likes to say the die trend (laughs) diversity uh, inclusion and equity is is however you want to put it dei die it's all bad and this is just another way to sneak in that inclusion oh it's got to be it's got to be equitable it's got to be inclusive everybody should have the same thing no it's not marxism it's not communism it's not socialism it's it's just it's just inclusion you know don't don't label us you right-wing bigot <laughs> as they label us right-wing bigots of course but according to the article um the concept of central bank digital currency the opposite of centralized crypto or decentralized crypto i should say uh, whose purpose can be summed up as a way to keep financial power firmly cemented in the hands of governments and their central banks in the digital age unsurprisingly has a staunch supporter in the international monetary fund the imf for those who don't know the imf is you know between them um and the world bank uh bis the, you've got the uh, the central banks, of course, then you've got the the asset managers like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. These these organizations, they're they're separate, okay? But they're not. They all, all of them, invariably point in the same basic direction, especially as it pertains to central bank digital currencies. And as Cindy Harper here points out, it is very different. And they're trying to sell it as if it's very similar to Bitcoin or Ethereum or other cryptocurrencies. It's the exact opposite. The whole idea of Bitcoin is to be decentralized. Is to make it to where where governments and central banks and other organizations cannot control it. That's the idea. That's how it's supposed to work. Now they're trying to, and I've covered this in the past, and I'm sure I'll cover it in the future. They're trying to do everything they can to regulate Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies because they want to direct us towards central bank digital currencies, which again are the exact opposite. Now they're selling it like it's like like a cryptocurrency, and technologically speaking, it's very similar still uses blockchain in most most scenarios it's just does it in a way that allows them to control it i mean it's it's the exact opposite decentralized versus centralized control versus versus autonomy 
I I do dabble in cryptocurrencies, and I, I don't do it nearly as much anymore because I don't I just don't trust them. I know that they're going to be regulated, but there was a time when I was a lot more engaged with it, and I see I understand the appeal. It's not for me. It's not for for a lot of people. Not again, not because of the idea of it. I love the idea. I'm just fearful that that this is something that since they can't control it, they're going to find a way to control it. You know, so it's just like I mean, it's. It's it is what it is. I'm not I'm not rip. By the way, if you're into cryptocurrencies, praise God for that. You know, amen. That's that's good. Good for you. Okay. I pulled out mostly simply because of what you know. Kind of looking down the road. Today, crypto good. Tomorrow, crypto may be very bad. And and if and when that does happen, if they do regulate it to the point of of essentially having control, then there will be crashes, and they won't care. Okay. You might think, oh, they would never, you know, to try to regulate Bitcoin because then they would drop from like thirty-seven thousand dollars per per Bitcoin down to to like hundreds. Well, they don't care. <laughs> They'll be like, oh yeah, shouldn't have, should have just put your money in in Bank of America and, and gotten your checking account with your with your regulated cards and kept the money right there for us to see and to take whenever we want. You shame on you for for trusting Bitcoin decentralization. <laughs> Anyway, that's why I'm out. But again, I'm not. Uh, do I foresee this tomorrow? No. If you're in in cryptocurrency today, heavily, mildly, moderately, whatever, great. You know, not 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 bashing Bitcoin by any means or or cryptocurrency, for that matter. Anyway, back to the article. Both CBDCs and the IMF are global darlings, and here they coming they come together, with the latter's top officials like managing director Kristalina Georgieva talking up the benefits of the former and i've covered her before this is a it's very um i don't want to say evil because that's kind of assumed (laughs) very um concerning you know Uh, she stays under the radar she's not george soros she's not klaus schwab or or uh you've all noah harari or any of the you know barack obama bill gates she's not any of the known baddies but she's she's up there okay behind the scenes um maybe over them over these people as far as her actual control over the globalist elite ball georgieva addressed the singapore fintech uh festival and according to her keynote speech cbdc's are capable of replacing cash another longtime dream held by uh financial elites but also authorities who like to keep a close eye not to say surveil uh the activities of the population and that is really at the end of the day what what is the advantage for them with central bank digital currencies it's twofold they can see what you're spending on and they can control what you're allowed to spend it on they can even localize and that's one of the big biggest concerns when we talk about 15-minute cities you know how are they going to enforce 15-minute cities it's through central bank digital currencies they'll make sure you know not only will there probably be gates with guards <laughs> but there will also if, if anybody is able to escape their money's gone they, the uh, their money will be relegated okay you've got you got here's your money here's your Here's your uh, whatever it is, your uh, your ba- uh, universal basic income check that you get while you sit around and do nothing because we don't want you to do anything except for be our slaves. But but here's that, you know, you got this money and you can go spend it anywhere you want as long as it's within this 15-minute city that you're in. We placed you here for a reason. This is where you're going to be. You can't, you know, once you leave this area, your, your currency, your money is no good there anymore. So good luck with that. Again, I, I can't stress enough, become as self-sufficient as possible. Anyway, 
Ah, da, 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 da. Other benefits as listed by uh, Georgieva are better resilience of developed economies, uh, more convenient cross-border banking, which they are already working on. The technology is already in 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 testing mode. Okay, they're already working on cross-currency and cross-border banking, so that the central bank digital currencies can can talk to each other. And eventually, if you want to get into my real conspiracy theory about all this. Eventually, there's going to be all these various central bank digital currencies, and there's going to be something that happens, and then they're going to be like, hey, you know what? We can't do this anymore. Let's just have one currency, one economy, one economic modality, and that will be the, the one the one CBDC to rule them all, so to speak. But again, hopefully we're, we're years away from that. <laughs> Decades would be nicer. Never would be even better. But hey, it is what it is. Um, cross-border banking as well as low cost and, and safety in terms of being alternatives to what is referred to as private money. There's not, not going to be anything private about CBDCs. Speaking of, Georgieva claimed that high-quality personal data protection can be achieved. Oh, you know, it's funny how they say the exact opposite of reality. You know, they always do that. Oh, your data protection can be achieved with central bank digital currencies. Your personal data will be completely safe from any of the bad guys, not us. We're not the bad guys. We can see everything and we will see everything. And we'll control everything, but not the actual bad guys like, you know, like any of those crazy right wing conspiracy theorists. They won't be able to get to it. <laughs> it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, um, but all of this is an effort into promoting the scheme and by top global financial industry bureaucrats like Georgieva isn't happening by chance by her own admission. Implementation of CBDCs is still far from a done deal, even if, according to IMF data, 60% of countries are exploring this possibility in some form. And it's actually closer to 80% as if they're talking about exploring. I would say over 50% currently are in in the process of developing like this isn't just an exploration they're not just saying hey let's check this out they're actually let's do it hardly a firm commitment by the world and that is why a uh why nevertheless optimistic georgieva admitted that cbdc adoption is globally speaking nowhere close at the same time urging the public sector to keep preparing to deploy this type of money prepare 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 that's what they want you to do they, they're they're trying to normalize they're trying to get it to where you go from hey this doesn't sound very safe. I remember the truckers in Canada. I remember how they can control that money. If this gives them even more power to control what money we can send, what money we can receive, what we can buy, what we can sell. Well, by golly, I'm not interested. And then, oh, but no, it's going to be safer and it's going to be be more secure and you'll have more of it and it'll spend better. And, you don't, you know, it's not dirty it's, and it doesn't hurt the environment. And, it, I mean, and they'll throw everything at us. OK, everything is a sales pitch. For them. For this, this globalist elite cabal. Oh, let's finish this up. The IMF, <laughs> I love this part. The IMF also has a virtual handbook on CBDCs out. Ooh, yay. I don't want to click on it. I'm going to click on it. <laughs> Whose purpose is to serve as a reference guide for policymakers and experts at central banks and and uh, uh, ministries of finance. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll keep this open. I'll cover it later. But this already looks horribly, horribly bad. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, I'm going to take a short break because I did not mention my sponsor. So let's pull that up, play that video. And then when we get back, I'll be talking about 
again, more globalist stuff. I think it should cover the first hour, and then in the second hour, we'll be talking about more fun stuff. I, I, I love having fun. That's my goal here at the J.D. Rucker Show. Whether you're concerned about ESG funds being pushed by your financial advisor or central bank digital currencies that are rising across the globe, including here in the United States of America, or de-dollarization that's pushed to remove the dollar as the world reserve currency, the petrodollar. People are shifting to, or nations are shifting to other forms of currency to do their business. Why? Because they don't trust the dollar and neither should you. Okay, I'm not a financial advisor, but I do understand that when it comes to retirement, when it comes to wealth protection, to saving your life savings itself, you should be working with a Christian company, one that's going to treat you fairly, one that's going to be honest, one that's focused on customer service, and one that's not trying to push uh, $5,000 or $10,000 in free silver on you because that's just not real. Check out Genesis Gold Group at jdrgold.com. Uh, that's jdrgold.com today. There's an article over at off-guardian.org. You can find it on, uh, if you don't want to search for it over there, you can always find it over at discern.tv slash w-h-o-d-n-a, w-h-o-d-n-a, and check it out. It's a very long article. And generally speaking, when you have these comprehensive articles, such as this one, which is titled How Your DNA is Being Used Against You. Uh, I usually just leave it as it is. I don't, I don't add commentary to it because there's really not much for me to add normally. But this time there's something that I definitely must add to, the, to this particular article because they, they get so close. Uh, author Karen Hunt, she really nails it. It's very comprehensive. It's, again, it's like three or 4,000 words. Nice long read, definitely worth reading. Uh, has so much information that is super relevant to us today. Uh, but And she's talking about the collection of DNA, how, how our DNA is not only being collected, but how it's being weaponized in multiple ways. You know, the, obviously the one that I think a lot of people have been talking about lately is utilizing DNA collection to be able to analyze it in a way that enables foul players, whether it's the Chinese Communist Party or Russia or even our own government, how they can use these these uh, this DNA information to be able to craft biological weapons against us, weapons that target specific groups, specific races, um, specific individuals. This is definitely possible. Anybody who saw who saw the last James Bond movie, yeah, that's, that was kind of the premise behind the, the entire weapon was based around DNA, and, and you could encode basically this poison that would kill people pretty much instantly, uh, and it would only kill them. It wouldn't kill anybody around them because it was coded to their DNA. This all sounds like science fiction, and in that case it is, but but it's real. I mean, this is this is definitely possible today. Now, I don't know what stage they're in. We would never know, by the way. I mean, if they do have this mastered, perfected, if they have the ability to target a specific race, a specific uh, uh, type of person, you know, it doesn't just have to be racially motivated. They, they can use DNA uh, indicators for, just as an example, for people who, who are obese or who have, you know, genetic disposition towards obesity. Maybe they want to get rid of all the fat people. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what they they want to do, but that's what they could do. They could do that. Maybe they found genetic markers that that uh, are inherent in in majority of conservatives. I don't know. I mean, it's you can't really dismiss the possibilities when it comes to science today because it is far more advanced than we know. They aren't telling us everything they can do. 
and that should concern you. But then again, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it anyway other than pray. So I guess it really shouldn't concern you. Just if it happens, it happens. Point being is that that's just one of the ways they can use it for tracking. And it's not just for the people that are actively giving their DNA over to these, you know, DNAAncestry.com places. It's not just the people that are taking the swabs and sending them off to be analyzed and have their DNA collected that way. And it's not just prisoners. They're, they're finding passive ways of doing it. And this article actually goes into what's called um eDNA that's that's right eDNA environmental DNA this is where they collect wastewater and any form of water it's not just wastewater they can collect water they can collect air samples your DNA is everywhere around you okay as you breathe you're spreading your DNA as you walk around anywhere you're spreading your DNA you know very underrated movie underrated in that it had a great premise but it was um it was flawed in many ways but it was called uh, Gattaca if I believe if I'm I, I believe that was what it was called. It had uh, Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman in it. Uh, it wasn't a great movie, but the premise was strong. You know, basically, in the not-too-distant future, they, they're able to to use CRISPR technology to make perfect babies. And those that aren't perfect, they don't get the good jobs. They're used, you know, the ones that, that don't get modified are the ones that are janitors, whereas the the pilots and detectives and whatever, politicians and doctors, those are all the, the genetically perfected people. Well, that's what they're shooting for today. That's what they're pushing for, except they're sort of not. They're not really trying to do this for mankind. They're trying to do this for themselves, they being the global elite cabal. This uh, article also dives a lot into the WHO and the push to give the WHO tremendous amounts of power. We've talked about that ad nauseum uh, for a long time. But one of the things that that it doesn't note in here that I've seen recently. They're talking about something that I've been talking about for over a year now, which is it's not just about giving the WHO a ton of power. It's also about associating climate change with healthcare. Okay. If you do those two things, okay, if you make it to where to where the WHO is super powerful, climate change is considered uh, part of their scope, part of their uh, their charter, then all of a sudden they have the the ability to do pretty much anything to control every aspect of our lives because climate change is the skeleton key to control okay you can associate climate change to literally anything the clothes you wear the food you eat you know where you live how you live who you're around who you're not around and of course then if they uh want this all tied into the to the passports that they want to give us that will control everything that will uh say where if you can go and travel here travel there shop here shop there It'll probably also at some point have control over our money through central bank digital currencies. There's a whole lot of different rabbit holes we can go down that are part, all, all parts of their their plans, their machinations. We're not going to do that today. I just want to focus in on one thing that this article. And, I, and let me read a, a little bit of it so you, you get a flavor for what we're talking about. This in, in particular is talking about uh, the, the collection of eDNA, which I think a lot of people don't realize is happening. But this is how they were able to detect, for example, polio in New York City. You know, it wasn't that they weren't going around and, and checking people for polio. They were collecting wastewater and finding it there. They're doing this in major cities across the country, across the world. Uh, what started off uh, to monitor violent criminals or sex offenders is now a way to collect the DNA of any person of interest, but that isn't all. Over the years, scientists have been perfecting their methods for collecting DNA and have turned their attention to environmental DNA, or eDNA, an inexpensive tool for ecologists. eDNA is everywhere, floating in the air, water, snow, food, your last cup of coffee. The eDNA technology is used in wastewater surveillance systems. <laughs> to monitor COVID and other pathogens, wastewater surveillance systems. Who would have thunk it, you know, 10 years ago? Who would have thought, oh, they're going to be 
checking our poop and our pee to see check to collect their DNA. A study demonstrated that scientists could recover medical and ancestry and ancestry information uh, from minute fragments of human DNA lingering in the environment. DNA of specific individuals can be recovered from spaces such as office buildings, apartment buildings, airports, restaurants. Recently, researchers uh, descended on the small town of St. Augustine, Florida, and from a soda can-sized sample of water from a creek, they recovered enough mitochondrial DNA passed directly from mother to child for thousands of generations to generate a snapshot of the genetic ancestry of the population around the creek. One mitochondrial sample was even complete enough to meet the requirements for the federal missing persons database. They also found key mutations shown to carry a higher risk of diabetes, cardiac issue, or other or uh, several eye diseases. In other words, so not only are they, they talking about this as far as what they, what this can do, but they're also trying to sell it to you. They're also saying, oh, you know, this is can be put into the missing persons database. So so a kid gets kidnapped, you know, 10 years later, we detect that kid's the kid's uh, DNA in the wastewater in, in in Omaha, and now we can start narrowing it down and then find the kid. You know, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. And, you know, we can reduce your risk of diabetes, cardiac issues, eye diseases, whatever. I mean, this is it's how they sell it. It's how they sell everything. It's how they really push these these technologies that can have very, very detrimental effects on us. I've already mentioned what they can do as far as, you know, being able to, to use bioweapons that are specifically tailored to us or to our particular group or to what it doesn't have to be us to anybody. They can take out anyone they want with this and none could be the wiser. And again, I, you know, if you think that this technology is, is decades away, it's either years away or months away, or it's already here. Again, we won't know about it until it's actually out there. Um, knowing the back to the article, knowing the DNA of an ethnic group means that they could be targeted with bio warfare. She goes into a very long um, explanation of why this is the case. But I want to get to this part. All of this leads to the uh, leads us to the CDC's announcement of its new traveler-based genomic surveillance program. Let me repeat that: traveler-based genomic surveillance program. Hmm. International travelers. Arriving at participating airports can volunteer, oh yes, it always starts with volunteers, to self-collect nasal swab samples, which are then shipped to a laboratory network. Samples that test positive for SARS-CoV-2 undergo whole genome sequencing to determine variants. However, do not think that this is any as uh, is in any way just about COVID. COVID was the excuse to set up a tracking system, a system for tracking and monitoring ordinary citizens. The CDC and Ginkgo Gin, Bioworks, I don't know how to pronounce it, are leading the future of disease surveillance. And they they uh, list off a, yeah, a press release and they go into, you know, what is Ginkgo Bioworks? And again, I, I cannot stress enough. Go to discern.tv slash WHO DNA to read this article as soon as you have time, because it is going to take a little while. As soon as you have time and uh, it's well worth it. But I want to focus on what's not here, okay? What's not here, what they're not talking about, and that's and they are talking about it, but they're, they're not calling it out by name, and that is transhumanism. This is a move for the transhumanist agenda. Those who are not familiar, transhumanism is all about, okay, it's all about being able to, to take your, you know, your, uh, your body, your mind, not your soul, look, God forbid, but take your, your body and your mind and enhance them in ways that will allow you to be better, 
to be stronger, to be smarter, to be faster, to live longer, which is the ultimate goal of most most active and uh, and uh, engaged transhumanists like the, the Ray Kurzweil's of the world. They believe that through technology, through technological interfaces, through mind chips and through proper supplements, dozens, hundreds of supplements taken per day, through chemical changes, you know, not just within our own bodies and in our own local environments, but the environment as a whole. Again, this all ties back to giving the WHO the power to be the the uh, action arm of the globalist elite cabal. They will use all this. With transhumanism, they are essentially trying to create human chimeras. They are trying to make it to where we are no longer who we are. They're trying to change our DNA. They're trying to change and, and connect us through computer systems, through airwaves, the you know the very 5G and all this stuff. And I know I'm, if you're not into conspiracy theories, all of this sounds crazy, but all of this is very, very real. That's what they want. This is why Elon Musk is working on Neuralink. Neuralink ch- literally putting chips in your brain to connect you to the internet. This is why you see this technology that's able to, you know, put right in front of your your eye eyeballs and eventually inside your eyeballs, connecting directly to the optic nerve. They're going to be able to to allow people to have direct connections to the internet, and not the internet. This will be a, a variation of the internet that is far more powerful than what we know of today. This isn't about going to yahoo.com with your eyeballs. This is about having access to to vast arrays of information, especially through social media and being able to connect. We've all, if you've watched any science fiction, you've seen variations of this. If you've ever watched Dark Mirror, you've seen variations of this. These future ideas, you know, something similar to what they're talking about is the goal. But here's the thing. What they don't talk about in most of these, at least they don't, uh, you know, they'll get people to do it willingly, but they'll also force some people to do it. The idea here is that if you are not engaged as a transhumanist, then you are anti-transhuman. You are anti-human because they will try to eventually replace humanity itself. And then we will, again, as, as we've grown accustomed to in recent years, we will be further put as outcasts in our own world. This is why I'm so adamant about denying this. I'm not encouraging anybody to engage in any form of, of violence or terrorism or anything to try to stop it. This is above our pay grade. It's, it's out of our hands. We can stop it by warning people, you know, at least stop it locally and within our own families and friends. We can make sure that we expose the truth. But even then, all we're doing is is delaying. We're not stopping it. Only God could stop this if he so chooses, because that's how advanced they are. That's how far they've gone. They have the money, they have the power, they have the press, they have academia, they have the doctors. And I'm not saying that everybody in academia and all doctors and all politicians and all members of the press are all evil. They're just controlled in some way. This is why it's so important that we are aware of this stuff and we avoid it. Do not do whatever you can to have your DNA given at all. Don't you know, I know that it's very popular. I know people who are using, you know, whatever ancestry.com or any of those various places. They're willfully giving their DNA. They're, they're swabbing to, to test for this, that, or the other, and they're sending it off to China. They're doing everything. They're collecting the DNA and it's bad. It's bad stuff, folks, bad, bad stuff. Don't do it. Get ready. Get out of the cities. Do whatever you can. All right. That's my 
it's my uh my conspiratorial rant of the day we've learned with great great understanding in the most recent years that the climate crisis is a health crisis and already we see seven million people a year dying from air pollution for example that's more than we saw in the entire COVID pandemic over three years and that's one person every five seconds so that by the time i complete my next sentence someone else will have died and we see this in every aspect of health, the way climate change is impacting um, our, our lived experience. And so there's a very real opportunity for us to have a health-centered approach to climate change and to be able to ensure that we're protecting how we live, how we breathe, how we walk, and, and, and what we can do in our lives. And so the appointment, I think, is truly just an opportunity to uh, continue to really flag the urgency of what we face. So that was Vanessa Carey. Yes, that Vanessa Carey is in the daughter of climate czar John Carey. You can hear her talking about how climate change needs to be a health care issue and, and how climate change affects our health and it makes sense. And this is all part of the same sales pitch that we've been hearing for, for quite some time now. It's been creeping in to the, I guess, the, the globalist talking points over the last few months, but it's really starting to hit a fever pitch. And there's a reason why, as I've noted multiple times before, and I'll say it again and again and again until it finally sticks with everyone, climate change is the ultimate skeleton key. It is the it is the way that they are going to be able to <clears throat> essentially control us. It's the way they're going to be able to, to say, oh, that's a healthcare issue because it's a climate change issue and the climate change issue is literally everything. Whatever you eat, whatever you wear, wherever you go, whatever you you what car you drive, or if you can drive a car at all, hey, go hop on your e-bike instead. It's it's better. It's not safe and it it explodes a lot, but hey, you know, it's better for the environment than that gas guzzling Prius. Yes, they're going to eventually start going after even the the hybrids and everything else. They just want us off of this. It doesn't matter, by the way, if science, logic, and and finances tell us that that these quote-unquote green initiatives aren't very green. They don't, they, they, if anything, they can oftentimes harm the environment more than their, their ungreen counterparts. We've seen this with, with electric vehicles uh, in particular, but, but I digress. Look, they, they don't care about that. They don't care about logic. They definitely don't care about the climate. They care about control. And as I said multiple times, including in an article in a, this video that I'm posting over at discern.tv, you can find this at discern.tv slash carry, K-E-R-R-Y, as in Vanessa, John, pick I don't care, pick your bad guy, discern.tv slash carry, you'll find this short article that I wrote explaining this in brief about why, why they want climate change to be considered a health issue. As I wrote, during a recent interview, Vanessa Carey explained why she believes climate change must be classified as a public health predicament. As founder of Seed Global Health and daughter of climate czar John Kerry, it makes sense for her to be harping about this. But there is much more. There is a much more nefarious reason Kerry and others are calling on climate change to be included as a health issue. The push to make the World Health Organization the supreme ruling body over all nations through multiple agendas, including the pandemic treaty, is the globalist's ultimate play for worldwide control. Centralizing health decisions through a single global entity is bad enough. Giving them the skeleton key of climate change at their disposal is checkmate against freedom. 
With climate change, the globalists can bring literally everything under their umbrella. Every decision, from the food we eat to the cars we drive to the clothes we wear, will fall under the rules set by the World Health Organization and enforced by governments after they willfully give away sovereignty. Joe Biden is among those who are pushing extremely hard for this. There are some some nations out there, some freedom-loving nations that are that are pushing against it, but I mean, the momentum seems to be on the side of the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the WEF, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, and the rest of the globalist elite cabal. Back to my article. This is already in motion. We must pray that God intervenes. We must spread the word. But second only to prayer, we must prepare ourselves by becoming as independent and self-reliant as possible. We, we must do whatever we can to protect ourselves and our families by removing any dependence on government regardless of the situation. Get ready now. Just don't forget to pray along the way. Look, a lot of times, you know, one of the, the I guess, first things that you learn or you're supposed to learn as a prepper is that you do not talk to people about your preps. That's what they always say, you know, keep it hidden. Because the theory is this, that if, if you start talking about your preps, you know, telling your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, then after the crap hits the fan, they're going to come knocking on your door. And it's like, oh, okay, so so this guy prepared, you know, and it's like, oh, we can't do that. But here's the thing. If and when this all does come down, we need as many people as possible to not be beholden on government. We need allies. We need friends. We need people that we can trade with, people that we can work with, people who can fight for freedom, people who are not going to be standing in bread lines or cricket lines or whatever they're, they're going to try to force us into. That's why I'm so adamant about going against the grain amongst preppers and saying, no, tell people. Don't just tell people that you're prepping. Tell them why they need to prepare and show them how. Show them how to prepare. This is one of the reasons, you know, I, I am editor over at thelibertydaily.com. It's been a great blessing. And my company, Whole Cows, works with the Liberty Daily to help people get prepared. Uh, you can go to, not to throw in a, a quick ad, but might as well, right? Because we are talking about getting prepared. You can go to Whole Cows TLD, that stands for the Liberty Daily, wholecowstld.com. Use promo code JDR, get 15% off at checkout, and you'll get, you can get ribeye, New York strip. These are all freeze-dried sous vide, so they're cooked. It's freeze-dried, so it has a shelf life of up to 25 years. They say 10 plus, but it's up to 25 years shelf life on this food, this beef, high quality, all American beef. Check it out. Use promo code JDR at wholecowstld.com and get ready because here's the thing, you know, we can say th this isn't one of those things where we can just go out and say, okay, well, let's go protest the WHO. Let's go, let's go write letters to our congressmen and tell them to oppose the pandemic treaty. Folks, <laughs> I'm not trying to, to be Debbie Downer here, but this is an entity that's beyond our reach. There's not much that we can do. Now you can say, well, we can vote for Trump and we can vote Republicans. Most Republicans are, and when I say most, I mean literally 99% of Republican lawmakers are doing absolutely positively nothing about this. Nothing. And let's face it. Yes, Trump did a lot of great things, you know, and I could see if anybody will ever finally get us out of the United Nations, it would be somebody, Trump or somebody like him. But I just don't know if that's enough, and we can't we can't trust it. We can't we can't assume that if Trump comes into office, that he's going to be able to single handedly 
single-handedly fight the globalist elite cabal. He's not. He's got enough problems with the deep state, which is an arm of the globalist elite cabal. He's got enough problems with Democrats and the Uniparty Swamp. The Uniparty Swamp is another arm of the globalist elite cabal. He can fight on those levels, but being able to fight this to stop this, I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and I can imagine that we will be locked up if it does appear, if they are, if they think, oh my gosh, we're not going to even be able to cheat our way to preventing Trump from being president. If they think that, then they're going to accelerate their plans. They're going to get this, this pandemic treaty and uh, uh, all of their other machinations. They're going to get all that rolling in 2024 ahead of the election. So plan on this being the case. We'll fight it. We'll pray against it. But don't assume that we're going to win. We can win on the individual level. You can get ready. You can get your family ready. You can even, if you're very, very blessed, you can you can start to get your community ready, get people localized, get people prepared, help them to be educated, help them to learn this stuff. Just don't sit back and say, oh, it'll all work out in the end. It's not probably going to work out. Chances are slim. We can hope it, and we can definitely pray for it on a, on a constant basis. But I would imagine... If we are in the biblical end times, then this whole WHO, climate change, global elite cabal thing that we're seeing forming around us certainly ties in to the Bible. Take from that what you will. I know that a lot of these stories make me seem like I'm a chicken little, a, a doomsayer, fear monger guy, but but I do have hope. A lot of the reason that I I don't get too affected by any of this is because as a Bible-believing Christian, I, I obviously do have have a certain level of, uh, what's the word for it, um, tolerance for the bad news. I've read the book. I know how the story ends. I'm looking forward to it. But there's going to be some hard times between here and there for, for many of us, most of us, perhaps all of us, uh, unless you're one of the global sleek ball, in which case things will seem hunky-dory for a long time until... Well, suddenly it's it's not, but we'll get there. But there is there are some good trends, and there's a story. It was over over the weekend over at um, uh, what Gateway Pundit that highlights at least a positive trend. We've seen it in the past couple of weeks. We've seen it in the past past year or so. There've been a lot of elections worldwide that have been that have essentially gone the way of of freedom, gone the way of you could say conservatism, but it's really there's a little bit of libertarianism. You can't really say, oh, it's just the right or the far right, as as corporate media likes to say it. It's not just victories for us in in the conservative world. It really is about freedom. It really is about you know changes to the, uh, the I guess you could say the the puppets. Now, I want to before I get into this story, I want to be very clear. I'm skeptical of everybody. Okay, everybody. I don't care if somebody's allowed to get into office. Oftentimes, I wonder, you know, how good are they really going to be? We've seen some people that that have made some tremendous claims. Okay, um, uh, what's her name? Maloney. Is that is that how is that her name uh, over in Italy? You know, she came in. She was like gangbusters before she was finally elected. And then once she was, it's kind of like, okay, well, she's she's sort of sort of seems like a globalist to me. You know, she's. But hey. So but we've had some good news, and I don't want to downplay that. Uh, and as Paul Saren over at the Gateway Pundit calls it, uh, is it a worldwide trend? New Zealand's conservative uh, PM Christopher Luxon vows to cut taxes, roll back citizens' gun restrictions, revert oil 
and gas exploration ban. Uh, and I think what he's saying is reverse, but either way. So according to the article, the world is st- starting to get it, quote unquote, right. <laughs> and another relevant development in the worldwide realignment to the right, the conservative New Zealand Nas- New Zealand's National Party finally sealed agreement on a new thir- three-party coalition government. This uh, took drawn-out negotiations over ministerial roles and policies, including indigenous rights, tax cuts, and changes at the central bank. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because we've heard uh, promises, at least, that the central banks are going to get booted out of Argentina as well. We'll see. The center-right nationals, led by incoming Prime Minister Christopher Luxon, will return to power alongside the populist New Zealand First Party and Libertarian ACT New Zealand, ACT New Zealand. This comes after six long years of rule by governments led by the left-leaning, fiercely globalist Labour Party. Reuters reported, we believe this in this country, we, and this is a quote from uh, Luxon, we believe in this country we are ambitious, and no, I'm not going to do an Australian accent. We are am- ambitious for it, and we know that with the right leadership, the right policies, and the right direction, together we New Zealanders can make this an even better country. Uh, the coalition agreement outlines plans to roll back the use of, of Maori language, uh, review affirmative action policies, and assess how the country's funding founding treaty document is interpreted in legislation. However, a controversial proposal to have a referendum on the interpretation of the document, the Treaty of Waitangi, will not happen. The outgoing Labour Prime Minister Chris Hipkins, successor to COVID-crazed Jacinda Ardern, said the changes in policy were going to turn back progress. New PM Luxon said the government will amend the Reserve Bank of New Zealand Act 2021 in order to remove the dual mandate on inflation and employment and to focus monetary policy only on price stability. There are also ambitious plans to reveal, repeal a ban on offshore oil and gas exploration introduced by the previous Labour government, according to coalition documents. Now, as I said, I'm always skeptical. Especially when they say you know, right leaning or or leans right or anything like that, you know, right center, center right, all that stuff. That always just smells like uniparty swamp, Mitch McConnell style stuff. So we'll see. And I, I I'll say straight up, I know nothing about this guy. Okay, I've done a little bit of research on you know, new prime ministers, new presidents that are are getting elected. I don't do nearly enough. I wait to see how they act because you can do a ton of research and see all the speeches and all their promises. But number one, I'm an America first guy, so I don't really care too much about it. But I do have certain uh, cares, as I mentioned in the previous story, you know, regarding the World Health Organization and the, the pandemic treaty. We do need people to stand up, people in other governments to stand up and fight it, because unless unless something crazy happens, you know, the Biden regime is probably going to be still in power by the time they do roll out and, and try to get the, the pandemic treaty fully in effect. He, he will in my humble opinion, probably try to give away as much, if not all, of our sovereignty before he's out of office. Or, and I say he, as if he's making any actual decisions, which he's not. His handlers, who are beholden to the global league ball, will make those decisions for him. But again, look, not trying to poo-poo on good news. This It seems as if we've had election after election after election across the globe where the quote-unquote right-leaning, or in many cases the far-right, People uh, are out there uh, making moves and and getting into office. When I say that we have to pray 
it's not because I'm, you know, oh, pray that God is going to, to reach down and, and kill Klaus Schwab or anything like that. We don't know what God's going to do. He can do whatever he wants. He will do whatever he wants. But with that said, a lot of times, and we've seen this throughout history, throughout the Bible, he will take action. And those actions will not be apparent as divine uh, you know, all the time. Sometimes, hey, look, when he wants to make sure that, that we get the message, he delivers it. Okay, ask Egypt, <laughs> ask Pharaoh, as he was trying to to keep the the Israelites, the the Hebrews, keep them as as slaves. That that didn't work out, but his heart was hardened, and he got the unambiguous message. It didn't didn't work, still didn't help him, but that message wasn't necessarily for him. It was for us. It was for the world. And so we will see, but as I'm, but the point I'm trying to make is that oftentimes this is exactly what you know what we're seeing in the world could be, uh, I guess a reprieve, maybe a delay, maybe the end times are are hundreds or thousands of years away. Who knows? I feel like we're in the end times, but maybe maybe this can be reversed. Maybe it can be fixed. This next story. This next story. What is it? Oh, this is okay. Yeah. So this is from Zero Hedge. You can find it over at um, uh, discern.tv slash ESG grift. That's one word. Discern.tv slash ESG grift. And it's titled ESG Endgame Deutsch CEO CIO now says oil companies have a place in ESG funds. I'm not going to, well, let me read part of the article because I do want you to get the, um, get the gist of it. Uh, it's it's a relatively long article. It's funny, Zero Hedge, sometimes their articles are super short. They're usually about medium, but every now and then they do go with a long one. And I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing to you. I will tell you um, what's missing from this article, and that's the important part. According to Tyler Durden, the <laughs> the uh, uh, group, I guess you could call as Tyler Durden over at Zero Hedge, at the end of the day, it's always, it always winds up reverting to common sense and in the investing world, alpha, I disagree, but hey, that's what has uh, Marcus Muller, Chief Investment Officer ESG at Deutsche Bank's private bank, admitting this week that if you want to make money, no matter what you you label your fund, you'll, you're likely going to need some exposure to energy and big oil. He also noted the obvious that big oil companies have, in fact, been making strides to reduce emissions despite being labeled as serious polluters and more money than God and having more money than God uh, by the Biden administration and their cronies. Reuters dropped a bomb last week when they reported that Mueller had stated on Tuesday that sustainability funds should include traditional energy stocks, arguing that not not, uh, doing so deprives investors of a primary opportunity to invest in the transition to renewable energy. That is the key point. It's, It's bolded here, and that's very important to understand. I'm going to repeat it. Sustainability funds should include traditional energy stocks, arguing that not doing so deprives investors of a prime opportunity to invest in, not in oil, not in gas, not in coal, not in anything like that, in the transition to renewable energies. And and therein lies uh, lies the real play here, the real grift. This isn't about helping you make money, okay? It really isn't. If you're, you're like, oh, you know, my my funds are are heavy and you know, my retirement accounts are heavy in ESG and and uh, but it's it's okay because because there's they're going after more money by getting into the energy energy uh, industry. That's just not true. I mean, it's true temporarily, but that's not the end game. That's not their goal. They're not saying, oh well, looks like we're gonna make more money for our 
our uh, retirement accounts or our customers, our clients by going through and investing in, in energy. No, it's the other way around. What they're saying is, hey, guys, hey, uh, energy companies, you got two choices. You either get with the program and help us to lead the charge for climate change being this the supreme supreme um, interest, the supreme uh, the, whatever you want to call it, the the ultimate skeleton key, as I've said. You you know you help us make climate change a thing. You help us make climate change happen, as you can as only you can uniquely do, and we'll make sure that our investors are investing in you. We'll make sure that that the money keeps rolling. You don't have to fear the the end of oil. Because oil's not going to end, by the way, and that's never been the goal of the the upper ups. I'm not talking about the little minion cult cultists. I'm talking about the the people that are actually pushing for climate change to be a thing or the thing. They don't care about about the money. They don't care about the climate. They don't want to stop oil. They have no intention of ever stopping the use of oil or any fossil fuels. It's not what this is about. It's always been about control, as I've said. And as we move into this brave new world. We're going to see more of this. We're going to see these companies that are supposedly the worst when it comes to environment, uh, social, and governance, and we're going to see them embracing that last part of it, the governance aspect of it. Who better to engage in a public-private partnership with governments across the country and across the globe than the energy companies? They're the ones that can lead the way, and this is what all this is about. It starts off as a threat, you know, get with the program, and go green or you won't get your ESG rating and you won't get investments and you won't get this and you won't get that and you'll get all, you know, we'll we'll take our cultists and we'll send them to, they'll glue their hands on your building and, and throw red paint on it. And that'll that'll teach you a lesson. And it's like, eh, I don't know. But then they, they hit you up with this. Oh, what if we reverse that? What if we, what if we really grease your palms? What if we make you guys, instead of the bad guys, what if we make you guys the ultimate good guys? Could you imagine if Exxon was leading the charge against climate change. Could you imagine if they were the ones that are saying, hey, you know, we're developing this, we're developing that. And by the way, if you watch television, I don't, but if you do watch television, I was told recently that there've been a lot of ads by oil companies showing how they're, they're going green. It's all tied together, folks. It's all part of the same exact agenda. And when we look at this, when we look at stories like these, we, number one, we learn two things. So we first we learn that, as I've said, this whole the energy companies are going to be leading the charge in the public-private partnership under the guidance of the globalist elite cabal to force climate change into every aspect of our lives. Number two, people have no idea what ESG even is. And that was actually I, I took the story down, but but that's actually part of a quote here. Um, who is this? This was. Uh, I don't know. But uh, according, there was a survey and according to the survey with uh, 1,759 mostly European respondents. And let's face it, Europeans generally know a little bit more about what's going on. They're, they're not good at interpreting it and they they're very blind in certain areas. But compared to to Americans, they generally know what's going on better than we do. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, worldwide. I'm just saying as it pertains to, for example, in this case, ESG, they have a better understanding than we do. Uh, but according to this, with 1,759 mostly European respondents revealed that just 15% have a solid, under, solid understanding of ESG and a mere 3% consider themselves experts. What is an expert in ESG, by the way? Just just curious. 
but 15% have a solid understanding. And again, it's, it's less here in the United States. That means that we can be out here, and I am often out here harping about ESG. ESG is bad. ESG is, is, is a lie. It's a scam. It's a grift. And yet most people don't seem to know very much about it. If you are one of those people, I would recommend looking into before they change the name because they've already, who was it? Uh, was it, it wasn't Jamie Dimon. It was, um, it was uh, Fink, Fink, Larry Fink over at uh, BlackRock who said, you know, I'm not really crazy about this whole ESG thing. It's, it's been perverted and we're going to change the name. So I don't know what the next name is going to be, but for now, get people educated about ESG before they change it to something else. With central bank digital currencies rearing their ugly head with the banking crisis in progress, with the push to to cause massive amounts of inflation, with attacks through ESG on your retirement funds, it behooves you, if you have a retirement account of any sort, it behooves you to move part, if not all of it, over to a self-directed IRA backed by physical precious metals. Now, there's a lot of companies out there that offer, you know, whatever, get $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 in free silver if you sign up an account. I can assure you that your business is not so important that they're willing to give you free stuff. In other words, you're paying for it. That's why I work with a Christian company, Genesis. Go to genesispreciousmetals.com. They are faith-driven. They will treat you honestly. They will help you get into a self-directed IRA backed by physical precious metals. And, um, and you'll be happy that you did because your money will... In my humble opinion, not a financial advisor, but in my humble opinion, your money will be safe. You know, I'm not sure if I like that. I, I don't know if I like having that that long. I went from a from ad to the station identification, which is required for radio with WWCR, and then into the 30 second intro. That's a long time. That's a that's a. I, I'm sitting here, you know, didn't have to use the restroom, so I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't like to wait. I'm one of those uh, super impatient guys when it comes to to talking. I just want to talk a lot, which is why I do a two-hour show. And I could very easily and maybe someday will start doing three and four and five-hour shows. But for today, my time slot is limited to just two hours. So now that we're in the second hour, I want to do some focusing on politics. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it again over and over again until until it's the case. There's only two scenarios here. There, It's either Donald Trump is the GOP nominee or the deep state takes him out, okay, whether through lawfare or something else. If they can prevent him from being the nominee or being on the ballots or whatever, then that's kind of the only thing left. You know, that's the only other option. There's no way that anybody can can catch him. None of the other candidates have a shot. I don't care what he says. I don't care what they do. It's not going to happen. You know, and that's why I think all of them are positioning themselves for the 
and they hope that that uh you know he'll he'll fall off and, and deep state will will take him out that's the that's the plan you're either donald trump or you're hoping that donald trump is taken out as far as being a a candidate there is no other option i would say that um you know the vivek ramaswamy uh who i am it's funny it's it's i'm so torn about him because i like what he says but then again i trust don't trust him at all <laughs> you know i mean that's all there is to it he's 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 likable you know i could see him participating in some way in government i'd probably like to have a beer with him i don't think he's a very good rapper even though he doesn't seem to know that but hey you know to each his own i definitely can't rap i've never tried to rap and that's a good thing so i don't know but but he's definitely positioning himself as the other trump you know he's the he's the america first guy he's fighting the neocons yada 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 you've got the santas i don't even know what he's trying to position himself as anymore you got chris christie as the anti-trump uh he's just i mean his entire presence has been to try to attack trump and it's it hasn't worked at all i mean it's it's failed it's failed worse than i expected and i had very very low expectations for chris christie and his ability to do this when trump didn't didn't go to the the debates which he should never go to because it's again pointless there's no reason for him there's no reason to have the debates at all when he didn't go to the debates all of a sudden chris christie's purpose whatever they're paying him to do it, it lost its luster so now he just tries to go on on whatever shows will have him you know it's like oh crap you know we we uh we, we had we, we had uh some hollywood actor you know we had we had tom cruise scheduled but he had to cancel so let's see if christy's available he's always available he's just sitting there staring at the phone eating his donuts and hoping somebody will call and say hey do you want to come on we had a cancellation and be like yeah sure yeah oh yeah anyway of all of those though of all the non non-trumps there's one in particular who who really chaps my khakis and that is nikki haley i would you know it's funny i've never in my entire life i've never ever once voted for a democrat um and i i can't foresee ever voting for a democrat but in the unlikely scenario things go really south for trump he gets taken out by the deep state and nikki haley is the is the nominee god forbid um i still wouldn't vote for a democrat but i don't know i don't know if i would if i would support her at all i i don't think i could okay i think that she might actually be uh in many ways as bad if not worse than some of the democrats out there she is definitely a globalist she's a, she's as neo neoconservative as they come um and, and she's she's she, anyway uh and perhaps the biggest reason is this story from daily caller from last week i think it was it's been a little while but i've been holding this in my back pocket until after thanksgiving because i i really wanted to to talk about this it's uh, by kate anderson over at daily caller titled wall street lines up to back nikki haley's 2024 bid and let's be clear this isn't just wall street okay we're not just talking about oh you know you got some got a couple of bankers you got you got some people out there trying to trying to get her elected no it's it's definitely far far worse than that uh she has the globalist she's talking to blackrock she's talking to whoever we don't know that she's talking to okay she's talking to um to jp morgan chase she's probably talking to klaus schwab george soros barack obama 
Bill Gates and all those bad guys. They really want her to be to be the one. And then, of course, she's also starting to pick up a lot of the the never Trumpers who are seeing her as a as a more likely alternative to Trump. Uh, that's, you know, they're, they're leaving the DeSantis camp. A lot of people left the Tim Scott camp. Most of them, I would say, are still starting to realize, hey, Trump's it's either Trump or bust. And so they're they're heading in that direction. But some of them are still thinking, OK, well, if Trump goes down, maybe we'll. We'll get some some action with with one of these guys, and Nikki Haley seems to be the person. So let's get into the article. Wall Street financiers are looking to Nikki Haley as the candidate to pull the 2024 Republican nomination away from former President Donald Trump, according to the Wall Street Journal. Haley is currently placing third in national polling at 9.5% behind Ron DeSantis at 14.3 and Trump at 59.7, according to Real Clear Politics. Despite this. Uh, Wall Street is considering Haley as a viable alternative to Trump in the 2024 primaries, with some saying that they are desperate to keep the former president from becoming the nominee, according to the Wall Street Journal. Let's be clear. They're all desperate, every single one of them, every never Trumper out there right now, whether you're a never Trump voter or never Trump Trump uh, banker and never Trump candidate. They're all thinking the exact same thing. There's there's no way out of this unless something massive happens, such as. Again, the deep state taking out Donald Trump. Otherwise, there is no campaigning over the next month and a half. Or we'll say, oh, you know, we got Super Tuesday in in, uh, over two months. Okay, so let's say, let's give them three months. Let's give them six months. If they had six months, if if they could take Trump and uh, force him to pull up Joe Biden and stick him in his in his basement for for six months and they're still out there campaigning and and doing everything they can and dropping bombshells and dropping whatever they want to drop about donald trump and and getting support and getting the endorsements from the bushes and and all that stuff it still wouldn't make a difference they still cannot win they're all knowing that they're all thinking that but they are getting desperate they're looking for who can we who can we get who can at least have a fighting chance and this is worse than David versus Goliath. We know how that one ended. This is this is like like David having four stones and and he's faced with 1700 Goliaths and God is not on his side. There's no way. Anyway, back to the article. Uh, one senior executive said there is there's a desperate desperate hunt for anybody but Trump. If she passes DeSantis, she's the backup, another financier told the WSJ in a statement. It's not completely crazy that she could ultimately win. Well, actually, it is. It is completely crazy that she could win without, again, the deep state doing their part. Haley is set to meet with other Wall Street executives on December 3rd in New York and then attend another meeting with UBS banker Mike Santini, uh, litigator Eric Levine, as well as several others who are linked to Elliott Management, a $60 billion hedge fund funded by, founded by Republican mega donor and CEO Paul Singer on December 4th, according to the Wall Street Journal. So December 3rd, December 4th. Uh, this week, th- those are the, is it this week? Gosh, how many days? Are, I don't even know what day. Uh, soon, <laughs> soon, uh, we, we, she'll be meeting with with bankers. She'll be meeting with with hedge fund managers. She'll be meeting meeting with Wall Street. She'll probably be meeting again with the with the globalist elite cabal. She's going to be meeting with them because she needs a ton of money. And again, it won't make a difference if they gave her two billion dollars to run a uh, two month primary campaign and blitz everything and go after it. She's not going to move the needle. She might be able to pick up 10 points. She might do do terrible damage to Trump. And that might be the purpose here. This may not be about, oh, we need to get a Republican that can win. It might be, hey, we need to get somebody who can go out there and attack attack uh, with a lot of money in ways that DeSantis and uh, Chris Christie have not been able to. 
Vivek won't do it. He's not going to touch Trump. He wants to be the the, uh, the the heir apparent in case Trump is taken out. So so it's I guess it's Nikki Haley then. Right? <laughs> awesome. Stephen Chung, spokesperson for the Trump campaign, told the Daily Caller News Foundation that the news sucks for Ron DeSantis. <laughs> That's a quote. I didn't say that. That's a quote. It sucks for Ron DeSantis, and it does because that was his his best chance. His best chance was to was to do that. So we will see about that. Got to listen to the phone real quick, just in case. Hello. Bill Gates. No, I'm not speaking to Bill Gates. It's it's actually somebody else asking about Bill Gates. I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm live. So so uh, what would you like to say <laughs> to the audience? <laughs> okay. Anything imperative? Okay. I love you too. Bye-bye. So, look, I got a rule. I don't care where I am. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if I am talking to you guys. If my wife calls or any of my kids, I pick up the phone. Sorry. Okay. If Donald Trump called me right now, okay, i probably pick that up too. But if... If Donald Trump Jr. called me right now, I would hold off and I would call him back after the show. So, so there's that. But yeah, no, you always always pick. It doesn't matter what, what's going on. That's the the only advantage of cell phones. Cell phones are are horrible, in my humble opinion, except for in emergency situations where they're often extraordinarily life saving. So always got to check. Always got to answer the phone, even if you're live. Back to the article, though, and I apologize for that. She should have known. Back to the article. Uh, da, 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 um, where was I? Did, oh, okay, here we go. And now we're getting the fun stuff. Haley met with Wall Street executives Tuesday at several events with guests, including Larry Fink, CEO BlackRock, and Gary Cohn, former president of Goldman Sachs. Gosh, she's just getting around to, to all the big money dudes. Stanley Drunkenmeyer, Drunken. Drucken Miller, <laughs> Drunken Meyer, uh, a billionaire and hedge fund manager, endorsed Haley Monday, while Ken Griffin, founder of Citadel, said he was actively contemplating supporting the former United Nations ambassador. Jamie Dimon, another, another stellar globalist, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, had a private conversation with Haley this past week with Dimon, noting that the 2024 candidate appears to have a solid understanding of the economy. <laughs> Listen, if they thought no, 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 this is no exaggeration, okay? If if they thought that that uh, an eight year old could beat Trump, we'll we'll say a thirty five year old to stay within the Constitution. If they thought that that a thirty five year old American citizen who's an absolute moron and, and just has no no qualities whatsoever uh, to be president, if they thought that that person could beat Donald Trump, then they would come out and say, you know, this candidate appears to have a solid understanding of the economy and the relationship between business and government. <sighs> They'll say whatever they can. They hate Trump. They hate America, except for the blessings that they get from America and Americans. They don't want us to succeed. They don't want us to flourish. They don't care about you. They just want somebody other than Trump because Trump represents something that they don't like. 
Trump can, and because it will be his second term, very likely will shake things up in ways that they don't like. This is this is personal for them. This isn't about politics. This isn't about policy. It's personal. They will personally be hurt. The Jamie Dimons, the Larry Finks of the world will personally be hurt. Their their money train will will come come crashing, crashing down. They know this. And that's why they they despise this man. Uh, and they will do anything. You know, it's funny. The one name that hasn't been you haven't heard a lot of lately. And it's it's funny because I'm glad that you haven't, but it's for an unfair reason. You haven't heard. Um, oh my gosh! Now <laughs> he's he's. You haven't heard enough of him because because I don't even remember his name. Now Glenn Youngkin. Okay, you haven't heard very much about Glenn Youngkin. And the reason for that is, number one, I don't think that he was really ready to run. I think he, he's got his eyes pretty pretty well fixed on 2028. I think he does. I think that that's what he sees. as his, He doesn't have the, the nationwide um, name recognition, Virginia governor, by the way, uh, doesn't have the, na- the nationwide name recognition. He saw what happened to, to DeSantis, and perhaps most importantly, he knows that anybody who enters the race, anybody who becomes a threat to Trump will get attacked by Trump and Trump's. Trump supporters, they will get attacked, all of them. Okay, I mean, look at what you've got. You've got uh, Rogan O'Hanley, DC Drano, out there attacking uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy hasn't said anything negative really about Trump. He's been very, very, uh, very nice about him as, as far as a candidate can be who's who has an opponent like Trump. You know, Trump hasn't really said anything bad about him. But you've got Trump supporters like like Rogan O'Hanley going after going after uh, Vivek really hard for the same reason that I would go after Vivek. Okay. I would go after him because I do, I don't trust him. I don't trust that he's truly America first because he hasn't been in the past. He has denied 2020 voter fraud. He is, he is, you know, I don't know what his, he claims that he doesn't have an association with the world economic forum. He sued to try to get his name off the world economic forums website. I mean, he's he's trying everything he can. Except, eh, it kind of seems like he probably did. Maybe he doesn't anymore, but at least he did. Okay, and I don't hold look. I don't hold people's past against them. If I did, I wouldn't support Donald Trump. Okay, Donald Trump was was for partial birth abortion. Donald Trump was for assault weapons bans. Okay, Donald Trump supported the Clintons. So if you if you want to say, oh, if they have to be completely pure their entire lives, there are no ideological you know, fallacies or, or wrongness, if you're like that, then you shouldn't like Trump because he's got he's got a whole bunch of negative against him. But you do, and I do at least, like Trump because of what he did from 2017 to 2020. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. I was very critical of many of his decisions. A lot of his policies I did not like. I still don't like. And I still do blame him in some regard for the lockdowns. Do I think that he could have stopped the lockdowns? I don't think so. I really, you know, it's funny because he should have distanced himself from them, but he was concerned or he was advised by his team that if he did so, that it would, it would ruin his chances of, of reelection. So I'm not making excuses for him because he did, he pushed operation warp speed. He still has not come out and said that the, that, that there's any dangers there, even though we know there are. But anyway, <laughs> the point is you haven't heard much about Glenn Youngkin. 
and it's unfair because you know the the losses in Virginia uh, during during Virginia's election was two three weeks ago. They weren't his fault. That was I would argue that that too once again was came down to to voter fraud. I think that that that's demonstrable. Maybe not as demonstrable as Arizona in 2022 or or seven states in in 2020, uh, but it is there are enough question marks in Virginia to say no, it wasn't about abortion. Okay. Abortion did not turn the tide. There are plenty of people that were Republicans that would have voted or did vote for, vote for Republicans who still voted to to uh, codify abortion within the Constitution of the state. So anyway, point is that it wasn't, I don't think it was Glenn Youngkin's fault, but he is, uh, his name hasn't been tossed out there. And he, and to, uh, I'll go ahead and say it now, I wasn't going to say it before, but he was the only one that kind of concerned me, a little bit concerned me. Not because I think that he would be good, not because his policies are great. Okay, his policies aren't very different from Ron DeSantis. Uh, the reason he concerned me is because he's rich, and he's got—I mean, he's—he has—he has access to more money than any of the other candidates, other than Trump. Okay, I mean, he's got Democrat levels of of money available to him, and if he were had entered, then I think that he could have been challenging i think he could have been challenging at about 20 percent maybe he might have been able to peel off you know most of the santas most of uh all the candidates and then maybe five to ten percent from trump that's about it you know so anyway that doesn't matter it seems as if he's not going he's got his eyes set and rightly so he's got his eyes set for 2028 he saw what happened to to the santas who had more name recognition and a higher approval rating he saw what happened and what is con continuing to happen and DeSantis. Yeah, here's the sad part. I'll I'll move on after this, but I want to say this is the sad part for anybody who's paying attention. Had Ron DeSantis just not entered the race, immediately endorsed Donald Trump, and and said nothing about the presidency, focused on Florida, focused on on supporting Trump to win to win election the election, he would have been essentially guaranteed to be the nominee in 2028, regardless of whether Trump won or lost in 2024. Ron DeSantis would have been the de facto, the guarantee, the heir apparent, the guy that nobody would, I mean, he, there, there would have probably been fewer, fewer um, uh, primary challenges, legitimate primary challenges against DeSantis in 2028 than there have been against Trump in 2024 or for 2024. So count your blessings. Now we've gotten to see how awful of a candidate Ron DeSantis is. Would he be a good politician? Would he be a good president? Probably. I mean, he's been a, he's been a very good. I wouldn't say you know the the legend of DeSantis in Florida is a lot bit better than the reality of DeSantis in Florida, but he's been good. You know, he's been better than most most Republicans as far as governors go. And uh, but we wouldn't have known how awful of a candidate he was until we if if he had done that. We would have just assumed that, oh, he's great, and let's just get him in there. He's the he's the next Trump, you know, continuation, continuation from Trump. We'll go to DeSantis. Now we know he's definitely not Trump. He's not anywhere near Trump. He's not like Trump at all. Very different. And some would argue that many of his policies, you know, the only reason that his policies have been successful is the fact that being in Florida and having super majorities in, uh, in the legislature, he's got, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. Some, I could argue, that he hasn't done enough as Florida governor, not considering all of the... Uh, all of the wins, all of the, the potential that he has there. He can do a lot more than he has. Instead, he's campaigning and losing badly. 
and he has ruined his any chance he, he ever had at being president of the United States. So, yeah, that that happened. <laughs> Before we get to this next story, I got to say, you know, there's a reason why we focus on two sponsors here. Obviously, I've got my gold sponsor. I think I played, what, two ads so far? Um, you can check check out Genesis Gold Group at JDRGold.com. Christian company, you know, move your retirement over to physical precious metals with a self-directed IRA backed by them. That'd be great. Okay. And, of course, I've got beef. You can go to freedomfirstbeef.com. That's freedomfirstbeef.com to buy freeze-dried sous vide beef. And, and there's a there's a, a symbiosis there. And, by the way, my promo code JDR for 15% off at JDR. Go, or, sorry, sorry. At freedomfirstbeef.com. Okay. There's there's a connection there, obviously. You know, I've had other sponsors, you know, selling. I've uh, sold uh, prepper medications before. Okay, you're starting to see a trend here. It is yes, I'll admit it. I'm a prepper. I am a prepper. I'm a late prepper. Okay, wasn't prepping for like till like started in 2021. Okay, right around the time you know once Joe Biden was in, it's like oh crap. Ah, <laughs> uh, buy gold, buy food. <laughs> I used to rip on preppers, okay? I was that guy. I used to rip on the people who are saying, buy gold, you know, because of Obamacare. I'm like, no, it's, it'll be fine. You know, we don't no need to buy gold. The stock market will rebound. You know, once we get get somebody good in office, we'll be fine. And we saw what happened. Okay, so I was never never about that. Anyway, point is that now I am a full-blown prepper, and there's a reason why. This next article, this is actually from, gosh, uh, at least a week ago, um, November 20th. So I saw this on uh, Fox 5 Atlanta, and it, this one really, really uh, spooked me a bit. I, I, I can use that word. It spooked me. It really did. Uh, popular Dallas markets ordered closed after a worried owner builds <laughs> unpermitted bunker. I love that. Unpermitted bunker. And in Dallas markets, this is Dallas, Georgia, and that's actually the name of it. It's Dallas markets. So essentially... This guy buys this warehouse and says, hey, you know, let's start using this for, as a market. Cool. You know, and so he got vendors and they, they took this thing and they did something wonderful. I mean, it's capitalism at work, right? He provided the space. He got people that they, they needed a, a venue through which to sell their, their bracelets, their paintings, their food, whatever it was. I mean, I, I don't know what they had in there. They had, a, they had about 200 family run businesses. Now they're scrambling. They have been scrambling since before. Thanksgiving because they shut him down. They being being the city. Why? Because he was building an unpermitted bunker behind it. Got turned in. He got turned in by his electrician, I believe. Okay. This guy's not. It's not like this guy was out there, you know, having having like uh, you know militia training or anything like that. I mean, I, granted, he had some. He had some uh, storage containers, you know, big metal storage containers kind of stacked on top of each other and forming like a wall in case of zombie invasion. And, yeah, he did have like this watchtower that could be a, a sniper outpost. But, again, this is all for for protection. This isn't for like he's not mobilizing to go out. It's just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm making my bunker. I, anybody who's had money or dreamt about having money, if you're a prepper, you've always thought, well, what would my bunker look like? Or maybe you're building your bunker. Praise God for that if you you have the resources. We all want a bunker of some sort. We all want some some sort of safety. If you have that preparedness mentality, I shouldn't say all of us. Some of you would, would never want a bunker. 
but those of us who do you know it's like okay do do, do an underground do we go into the forest do we go by a lake do we go by, by a river or do you know where do we go anyway so this guy he decided to put it behind his market i guess it makes sense you know he owns property he thought okay well you know there's going to be construction here anyway i think he was doing it basically the right way other than that he obviously didn't pick the right contractors because they turned him in According to the article, uh, the Dallas market opened two years ago in a Paulding County area warehouse. Shoppers flocked to enjoy an impressively impressive variety of locally designed arts and crafts, food trucks, even live entertainment all in one place. For many of the vendors, the upcoming holidays, holiday shopping season uh, was to be their most successful time of the year. Then Dallas market's owner, uh, Andrew Rodriguez, started building his bunker. Dum, dum, dum. He's building a bunker. It's an unpermitted bunker. He did not get permission to build his bunker. <sighs> Craig Stark, one of the uh, displaced vendors, says nobody could go in the back because he was keeping it a secret. Okay, but was it really? I mean, why would they want to go back on this guy's property anyway? Number one. And number two, you, there's, based on these pictures, you could definitely, I mean, you could see it. It's, it's not like he was hiding it and building underground. It was above ground. Everybody was whispering, what's going on? What's going on? The Dallas Fire Marshal had the same questions. That was the what was that weird structure going up in in Building Three near the main Dallas Market locations? What's with all the shipping containers stacked on top? And why didn't anyone pull the proper permits? Why didn't they get the permits? Why didn't they address the the bureaucracy and say, "Hey, I need a permit. What do you need it for?" Well, I'm going to build a bunker. No. I mean, it's you get in trouble. If you go for the permits, you get in trouble if you don't go for the permits. That's the bureaucratic state. If you're doing anything that, that doesn't align with what they think is proper, you're going to get in trouble, just as Mr. Rodriguez is getting in trouble right now. Uh, we were very surprised that, as to the extent of what was going on. We were, uh, I have to, sorry, I have to use my, my serious voice. We were very surprised as to the extent of what was going on. Man, uh, I shouldn't say it in this voice because this this isn't a quote, but this is what they're thinking. Here's a guy who wants to defend himself. That's not allowed. Not in not in Dallas, Georgia. By golly. On October 26th, uh, City Inspection Field uh, report detailed a series of unpermitted work done at the property stretching back to August, including several uh, multiple electrical code violations, according to Keaton. Rodriguez promised to have his architect send a letter explaining the work. Instead, on October 27th, the architect sounded the alarm. Uh-oh, it was the architect, not the electrician. It was the architect. According to the architect, I am hereby notifying you of conditions I find potentially dangerous to public health and safety. <sighs> That's uh, Galen Lurch, the architect. He wrote to Dallas officials, insisting his client had not consulted him on the true extent of the project underway at Building 3. Well, geez, I wonder why. I wonder why this guy was concerned about his architect or electrician or whoever, you know, why he didn't want to talk to them about it, why he was building this in secret, even though it's out in the open, building this bunker in secret. Why would he think that his fellow American citizens would turn him in? <laughs> because they did. He said Rodriguez described the new construction as a bow. Oh, so he... <laughs> Okay, he even did tell him it's a bunker and support facilities with an armory, panic room, pantry, bunk room, 
and a septic field, something that's not allowed in the city of Dallas. You cannot have a septic field that's against the public health. <sighs> I'm sighing because this is so ridiculous. There are also concrete walls 12 to 16 inches thick with vault-style doors. According to the architect's letter, the bunker itself was 2,500 square feet. 2,500 square That's not big, folks. That's, that's, that's not a lot. I mean, that's, that's bigger than most bunkers, I would say. That's not like, like a huge facility or anything. Anyway, Dallas suspended the business license for Dallas Markets Insider Rodriguez for four violations, including ignoring zoning rules, and ordered him to remove the shipping containers within 72 hours. He is due in court December 1st. We can't let people... Oh, this is the important part. We can't let people wander around or be on that property if, if we don't know that it's 100% safe. Well, you know what? How many other people have properties that aren't 100% safe? It's their property. People roaming around on it without permission and get hurt. That sucks for them. But it's still stay off private property. I don't understand how this is hard for these people to, to grasp. <sighs> But the decision could not have come at a worse time for vendors, yada, yada, yada. I do feel bad for the vendors, but, <laughs> but feel worse for this guy. Uh, vendor Stark paid Rodriguez $440 a month plus a portion of his sales to set up his Blade Works knife sharpening business in the Dallas markets. Man, I mean, where else are you going to set up a, 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 a knife sharpening business? Okay, I've had a knife sharpened before. It's not cheap. So $440 a month plus some of the profits sounds like a steal. Sounds like a steal. This sounds like, like it was good for local businesses, entrepreneurs, family, family-owned businesses. Last month, he was forced to borrow money from his children to quickly pay, uh, rent a small building in Hardy Street so he could stay open. This is my livelihood, he explained. This is my business. This is what I do to feed my family. So then why is government coming in, stepping in, and doing this? But Rodriguez told the Fox uh, 5i team family is, is what he had in mind, too. That's a terrible sentence. But Rodriguez told the Fox 5 I-Team family is what he had in mind, too. Modern journalism is horrible. I just want to, I just, that's got to be said. Anyway, he said, uh, uh, I don't understand why this has turned into something other than me trying to take care of my family and the community. Let me re repeat what Mr. Rodriguez says, because this is the, the reaction that most of us, I believe, would have under this similar circumstance. I don't understand why this has turned into something other than me trying to take care of my family and the community. I think a lot of us just, I think a lot of this is just getting into a conversation and getting permission. Still, in the months leading up to the unauthorized work, Rodriguez made a series of bizarre posts on social media. Uh-oh. He's, he might be an extremist. Most of them were reposting other warnings about impending doom in the United States. I wonder if he posted this show since we always talk about impending doom in the United States and ideas on how to survive what's certain to come. <gasps> A prepper mentality, God forbid, like making your own penicillin out of plants. Oh my gosh. You mean he's not going to go through big farm? I don't understand. Why is this guy still roaming the streets? How is this guy still allowed to be a part of community? They shouldn't just shut him down. They should arrest him and prosecute him and execute him because he's, he's, he's thinking about making penicillin out of plants. 
One vendor showed us a handwritten note Rodriguez shared on their group page warning about uh, about the FBI and that spies were installed at the Dallas markets and everything was hacked. And I'm sure it probably was. Okay. I'm sure it was. Question everything, folks. I, I know a lot of times people say, oh, you sound too paranoid. It's be I, I am. I am paranoid. I do believe that we're being watched, that we're being being listened to. We're being being monitored. If you are listening to this show, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, chances are you're being monitored. Unless you've taken the proper precautions to be completely off-grid and hidden, then you're being monitored one way or the other. I mean, there's just a report was came out the other day how they're monitoring literally literally a, over a billion cell phones. You might think, but there's only like 330 million people in the United States. Yes, but there's more than that number of cell phones, apparently, and they're monitoring them without your permission. Don't even get me started. We'll talk about that, that story probably tomorrow. Ah, here is it. I, I'm going to read you this letter that was given to me by a uh, me by a vision from God. God has called us to be warriors, and we are going to take this country back in his name. Ah, there you go. The dude's mentioning God. That makes him an instantaneous threat, and he must be shut down by the state. We asked Rodriguez if he was preparing for the end times. <laughs> and he says, I don't think these are the end times. It depends on what you think the end times as being. He would not explain those odd messages he sent to his vendors. But he said he felt horrible for what they've gone through and wished he had sought permission first before building anything. He says, I don't think I don't I don't know that I've broken anybody's trust. I think I've always pushed the envelope. I don't always know all the rules and regulations to do things. I've learned things the hard way sometimes. Okay. Well, I mean, look, and he's not being unreasonable here. He's saying, hey, yeah, I didn't know. I was apparently breaking the rules, but let's fix this. Okay. Just wanted to protect my family, build my bunker, give these people, these, these small businesses, these family-owned businesses, a venue to which they can sell their stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Tell me what I need to do. Who do I have to write a check to? What what documents do I have to sign? What permit do I have to, who needs to inspect what? Show me what I'm doing wrong and I'll make it right. That's what he's saying. He's not being unreasonable. He's not, you know. <laughs> I wish Andrew and his family all the luck in the world to get it up and running, said Stark, the knife uh, sharpening vendor forced to move. Honestly, I don't think uh, he can. And if he does, it's going to be extremely hard to get it back to where it was. Yeah, they have done probably um, probably permanent damage to his business and to the businesses of others, dozens, perhaps hundreds of small businesses in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Uh, Dallas Mayor, uh, I said Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Georgia. Dallas Mayor James Kelly issued a statement on this uh, that said, in part, we have to follow our own ordinances and codes that are established within our city government or else there would be chaos and disorder. The people can't think for themselves. They can't govern themselves. That's why we impose bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger government. <laughs> We're currently working with the business owners to help get them in compliance. So that's good. Okay, so here's the thing. If this ends well, okay, if things work out and and Mr. Rodriguez is able to, to get his, his shops back up, able to get his warehouse, Dallas markets back up, able to get his his uh, bunker built, you know, and with, with minimal heartache, then great, you know, victory. It sh shouldn't have even been a question. Again, because this guy has not attempted to hurt anybody. But 
if he doesn't, if this is if this drags out, if the bureaucracy prevents this from happening, or if they they water it down and make it to where you oh you can't have this, wouldn't you have an armory? Are your guns legal? Have they been checked? Have the have the serial numbers been filed with the state? You know. No, no. Anything short of that, anything short of we're sorry, we're glad that you got all your paperwork in order, build what you need to build to protect your family. Anything short of that is still overreach. I'm sorry, folks. I know a lot of you, a lot of you out there are would be concerned about somebody building a bunker near you. The way that I look at it, just like with a, I don't get scared when I see a, an open carry or a concealed carry guy walking around. In fact, I feel safer because I know that 99.999% of those people are not going to try to shoot me or my family. They're just out doing what they're doing and they're, they're protecting themselves. And that person will probably protect me and my family too if things go south. So I don't get scared by that. I wouldn't get scared if my neighbor was building a bunker or if, if you know the business owner if I had a if I was uh, had a um, a booth or whatever it is they had in these this Dallas markets if I was there and and I saw him building a bunker in the back I'd probably ask him hey man things go south you got room <laughs> how much what do I need to do you know can I build me a little mini bunker behind your bunker <laughs> take advantage of all those those uh, zombie defending uh, uh, containers, shipping containers you've got stacked up there. I mean, it's, but again, we're different. We, uh, hopefully many of you and I, we're different from, from a lot of Americans. Americans have been become indoctrinated with this idea that we have to rely on government. You know, you don't need a gun. You just need to, to call the police. Oh, we want to defend, defund them as well. It's like, wait, what? I don't get it, you know? Trust the police, but have fewer of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> the old saying was, when uh, when when you're faced with with a uh, a criminal and seconds count, the police are minutes away. Now it's minutes, maybe hours, maybe never. <laughs> I laugh, but as usual, it's not really funny at all. <sighs> freedomfirstbeef.com folks stock up get your get your beef while you still can speaking of preppers here's a story from wnd again this was also gosh i i saved up a lot of stories didn't i i had all these stories wrapped up and ready to go preppers identify these three items as top threats to us these are folks who watch events and read up on threats so really good judgment okay if you say so this is uh, it says WND staff, but but if I recall, I think Joe Kovacs participated in this uh, over at WND.com, but let's just go with it. Climate change as a threat to the United States? Nah. Russia invading Ukraine? Nah, not really. Nanotech? Run amok? Don't worry. <laughs> a super volcano in, in, in Yellowstone? No, no. That's not a major concern. And I will admit, look, I've thought about that one. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I, just mildly, it's just the, the thought of, you know, there is a super volcano there. It could blow and take out, you know, most of the, the Northwest. And you know, my wife's like, man, I don't want to live there. I was like, yeah, but hey, we would we would be <laughs> pretty be pretty instantaneous. And then we'd be with the Lord. It's like, maybe that's not the worst way to go. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe it is, but anyway, ah, but what does, if, if none of those concern people, what does, uh, preppers, I should say, what does 
uh, cause major concern in the uncertainty of the nation's electric grid. And I read that wrong. What does cause major concern is the uncertainty of the nation's electric grid, especially in tandem with Joe Biden's agenda to explode the demand for electricity with his electric vehicle demands. Okay. And the political civil war that appears imminent with the deep divisions between pro-abortion, pro-transgender, pro-terrorist ideologies in the Democrat Party and the rest of the nation. I'm glad that they put it like that because this, you know, it's funny because it really isn't Democrat versus Republican. It's radicals, which accounts for today, for whatever reason, most Democrats versus everybody else. Because even, look. I know some Democrat friends. I had a, I spoke to a Democrat friend just last week who, who's against all this stuff. I mean, he's that rare Democrat who's pro-life, but still, he's against all this stuff. Now, he's still pro-terrorist. <laughs> but he's he's against the other aspects that his party has has embraced. And you can look at independents. They're, they're flocking to vote for Republicans. They don't like the wokeness. They don't like any of the stuff that's happening around us. They're against it all. So I'm glad that they worded it like that. And so we got so far we've got the electric grid, civil war, and they worry about an EMP attack, which could render uh, what electric grid the there already is impotent. Gosh, this is a, just a poorly written story. That's two in a row. Bad English in within their stories. We need better editors. We do. Paul Bedard, in a column of the Washington Examiner, explains the results are from a survey of preppers, who's, those who lead that movement with ad, that advocates being prepared for even the unthinkable. The survey was done by Fortitude Ranch, part of a growing network of similarly-minded people and groups. And I, I need to actually talk about Fortitude Ranch at some point, but not today. Uh, they are not average Americans who did who who pay no attention to risks. These are folks who watch events and read up on threats. So really good judgment, according to Drew Miller, the CEO, told Bedard for for his secrets column. It already has was a full decade back that a congressional panel warned about the EMP attack. Multiple enemies ranging from North Korea to China to Russia could launch a nuke to altitude above the U.S. and detonate it, causing electronics within its reach to to fail. Valuations uh, at the time estimated such an attack would cause the deaths of tens of millions because electronics no longer would function, leaving vehicles delivering food at the sides of the road, pumps for fuel inoperable, and those ever-present computer systems to run banks, uh, retail outlets, and more dead. EMP attack is something, look, it's one of those things where <clears throat> there isn't much you can do if a nation or even a non-nation entity were to want to take out the United States with an EMP attack, there isn't a whole lot that we can do that we know. It's possible. I guess it's possible that, you know, a continuation of Star Wars under Ronald Reagan, that it actually did yield fruit. And maybe we do have defense systems. I've always, I, I, I shouldn't say I've always, I started thinking along those lines when I talked to a, um, and a, We'll say an anonymous source, uh, because he doesn't like his name used, but he is a general um, in the United States military. And he said that, that uh, he, and he didn't know for sure, but he said he believed that it was, there was a defense that uh, nobody knows about. And oddly enough, is under the control of the CIA, like what, what they're going to defend us, whatever. Anyway, um, 
But let's say that that's not the case. Let's say we don't have a defense against a high-altitude nuclear blast. That would kill tens of millions. Not the blast itself. Again, this would be over time. This would be over, you know, sending us back to the Ice Age, causing, you know, what they would, I mean, in that scenario, the best scenario would be martial law. Because if you couldn't establish martial law, it would be, it would be pandemonium. It would be absolute and utter chaos, societal collapse. You know, I mean, have you ever seen The Postman uh, read the book? A very underrated Kevin Costner movie, movie from, I believe, the 90s? Uh, that's the scenario, okay? I mean, it would be... You'd have roving bands of 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 hooligans out there, marauders, taking what they can take. I mean, it'd be very Mad Max-ish, if you will. And uh, and a lot of people wouldn't survive that. You know, the the we've seen the movies, read the books, see the articles, done in our own imaginations what a post-apocalyptic America would look like. Well, that could be generated very, very, very quickly. Because again, the important part is not only do you lose electricity, not only do you lose the various grids. Without electricity, you can't pump water. People without water die very quickly. They will find ways to get to water, or they'll try to find ways to get to water. Unfortunately, they won't be able to drive their cars or their electric bikes or anything else. It's a very nightmarish situation scenario, and there's not much that we can do about it. Okay, if you're if you're on the grid, if you're not off the grid completely then you would be affected. And even if you are on the grid, you'd still be affected because people would try to find you. I mean, let's face it. They, they'll, they'll try to take over the cities, and then those who, who do take over the cities will, will do what they do in the cities. But then those who don't, they'll get smart, I guess you could say, and go out of the cities and try to find people that have, have resources, people that are outmatched, perhaps even outgunned, people that maybe... They are off-grid, but maybe there's just not enough of them to fight off 50 marauders or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of nightmare scenarios here. That's just from one EMP attack. My gosh, no wonder these, these preppers are concerned about that, and I would be too. <sighs> uh, Bedard noted, over the past 20 years, the movement to prepare for a domestic disaster has exploded and was supercharged by Division in Washington, race riots, the COVID-19 pandemic, and a surge in youth crime. Groups like Fortitude Ranch have stepped in to offer people a place to retreat to in case of civil unrest. He noted, Miller confirmed the 200 who responded to a survey were dismissive of ideologies like climate change, which was called uh, global warming until the the warming quit. (laughs) You know, there were some grammatical errors, but I do like they're wording this the right way. I like articles that are properly worded. Oh, and thank you. I just saw a a good-sized order come in. Very nice. Very nice. People people are listening and going to freedomfirstbeef.com using promo code JDR and and ordering up some beef. Bedard noted that... Oh, no, I already read that part. No, 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 I didn't. Sorry. Uh, Bedard noted that uh, the concern over a civil war because of split politics also was cited by a battleground poll. And Miller noted, of the top five threats, the most unusual is probably 41% listing domestic civil war due to the deep divisions in our country and a potentially violent, divisive presidential election coming up as a grave collapse risk. Miller pointed out that Ray Dalio, founder and CEO of hedge fund Bridgewater, who makes a living predicting events said that he believes we face a 30% chance of civil war with our divided population with a divisive election next year. 
Global warming, he said, probably will be eliminated through a hugely damaging event like a bioengineering pandemic, global war, or famine, or something similar. So the point is here, folks, I mean, there are concerns. Those those are the biggest concerns. People say civil war. I think it would be more akin to a revolutionary war, okay? With civil war, it's hard to have an actual, legitimate, full-blown civil war. Not anymore. Not the way, you know, after after the Civil War, things changed in America. They made it very challenging for a potential civil war to take place because of, you know, we're no longer divided by by geographic boundaries. We're no longer divided by by lines on a map. We're divided ideologically. And it could be, I mean, you could be thinking one way and literally the guy standing next to you is thinking something different. And you might be enemies, you and your neighbor. Okay, it's not like this city is going to be on red team and this city is going to be on blue team or this state or this state. It's not like that. Revolutionary war is probably more like likely. And it would start with a crackdown. And that crackdown will come after me and you. Okay, they're not going to crack down against Antifa. They're not going to crack down against you know, Palestinian uh, supporters. They're not going to crack down against transgender supremacists they're not going to crack down against blm they're going to go after you and me they're going to go after the people who <laughs> another good one oh, thank you guys good stuff there uh lots of beef orders coming in today it's been crazy i only get these notifications when there are a certain amounts so that's good <sighs> good stuff anyway um yeah they're they're going to come after us and it will turn into in my humble opinion more of a a revolutionary war scenario than a civil war but again war is war battle is battle strife is strife tyranny is tyranny there are different variations of it. There's different levels, of course. Um, and I think the one we're going to face is going to be pretty, pretty darn, pretty darn bad. It's not going to be good. Not by any means. But it is what it is. Speaking of pro-Palestinian, I got one more story. I think we, we have time. We do. Got one more story here. And this is obviously going to be controversial because I'm talking about the Israel-Hamas war. And everybody has their opinions. I've got I've got viewers and listeners that are pro-Palestine and pushing for a two-state solution, or even even in one scenario, a, a one-state solution, a solution in which uh, basically Israel becomes a secular democracy and everybody is is treated equal, whether they're Palestinian or or Iranian or Jewish, you know, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, everybody's the same, similar to what it's supposed to be here in the United States. That's a pipe dream, you know, and I asked that person that I was debating at the time if he felt that the same should be true for the 50 Muslim nations out there. And he's like, well, you know, and, and this hemming and hawing, it was, it was fun. Fun debate uh, wasn't fair. I'll admit um, I had way too much evidence on my side. But regardless of where you stand there, you hopefully if you listen to my show, uh, pro-Palestine, pro-Israel, doesn't matter. You still hate the United Nations. You should because they hate you and me. According to American thinker Eric Utter over there, uh, UN adopts eight resolutions condemning Israel, none condemning Hamas or anyone else. Look, and, and let's, let's, again, back to the controversial aspect of this. If you are pro-Palestinian, that doesn't necessarily mean you're pro-Hamas. If you're pro-Hamas, what are you doing listening to me? Okay, <laughs> I just gotta know. I, I am very adamantly opposed to Hamas. Or any terrorists, okay? I'm not opposed to Muslims. I'm not opposed to Islam. I'm opposed to, I mean, from a religious perspective, I am. I want to teach everybody and show as many people as I can the correctness and the brilliance of the of the Bible, right? But 
as far as, you know, could I be friends with and have I been friends with Muslims before? Absolutely. I've got nothing against the Muslim people, but I do have something against Hamas. I've got nothing against the Palestinian people. Palestinian people, a lot of times, you know, there's like, oh, you know, they're they're wrong and they should just I'm not I don't think along that lines. I think they have they have grievances. Okay? They do they do have legitimate grievances. Uh, legitimate might take it too far. They do have perceived legitimate grievances, we'll say. And those should should be addressed, but not through terrorism. So anyway, let's be clear about that. That I don't expect any condemnation against um, Palestinians from the United Nations. But I do expect, and we should all expect, condemnation against Hamas because they deserve it. Instead, we get condemnation, eight resolutions condemning Israel. According to Eric Gutter, the UN recently adopted eight resolutions condemning Israel for various alleged human rights violations, yet made no condemnation of other nations or groups, including Hamas. This after Hamas slaughtered nearly 1,500 innocent Israelis during a surprise attack on October 7. And at a time of inexplicably rising anti-Semitism, this tells you all you need to know about the worldly body, the world body, it is nothing more than a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Hillel Nauer, Nauer, Nauer? Uh, executive director of the UN Watch, said via press release, the UN's assault on Israel with a torrent of one-sided resolutions just one month after the largest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust and on the 85th anniversary of Kristallnacht <laughs> is surreal and morally repugnant. The only purpose of these eight lopsided condemnations is to demonize the Jewish state. The world should not be deceived that these annual resolutions advance the cause of peace or hum human rights in any way. Again, if they had said, okay, so, so uh, we condemn Hamas for their terrorist activities, we condemn Israel for going too far, if they want to say that, look, I disagree, okay? I do disagree that Israel has gone too far, but at least that could make sense. At least an argument could be made. They can't make an argument for condemning Israel and not condemning Hamas. Hamas went into, into areas unprovoked. They went into areas where they knew there would be vulnerable civilians. They beat, kidnapped, raped, and murdered these people, these civilians. And many of them, unfortunately, were beaten, then kidnapped, then raped, then murdered. They got to experience the whole gambit of evil committed by Hamas. We have video footage of this evil. It's not like the UN can say it didn't happen. It happened. They know it happened. And yet, no condemnation for that whatsoever? If they wanted to stay out of it and say, we're not going to pass resolutions against Israel or, or Hamas or anybody else, we're just going to let them figure it out, and then we'll come in and maybe offer some aid You know, when it's all said and done. I would have been okay with that. I'm not saying they have to condemn Hamas. As a matter of fact, the, the less the United Nations ever does or says, the better. If they did nothing, I'd be like, yay. They did absolutely nothing. I mean, they, anything they touch can be done better through private organizations or even through state governments. 
which state governments can't do anything better than anybody except for the United Nations. <laughs> That's the only organization that actually botches things more than than like the U.S. government or the Russian government or, or whoever. The United Nations is even worse. But instead, they decided to pick a side, as we knew, as they always do, okay? They always pick a side against Israel. Whatever, if, if Israel were to cure cancer, okay, and offered for free to the entire world, the United Nations would find some reason to condemn them for it. That's what they do. Back to the article. The UN's second committee, which focuses on uh, economic and financial issues, announced the passage of three such resolutions, uh, including one demanding that Israel cease the exploitation, damage, cause of loss or depletion and endangerment uh, uh, in the Golan Heights region of Syria. What? Really? Now? Now you, you want to, to condemn the only, the only uh, quote-unquote, occupied area in Israel that prevents them from being wiped off the map? I mean, if they gave, if, if they did not control the Golan Heights with today's technology, they would not exist. They could not exist. That is, it is a, the ultimate strategic um, point in Israel. I just don't understand. Unsurprisingly, Bashar al-Assad, Syria, drafted and co-sponsored the resolution, which passed with a vote of 151 in favor to six against. Only Israel, Canada, the, the Federation, uh, the Federated States of Micronesia, gotta love them, Nauru, Palawa, and uh, the United States opposed the measure. 11 members abstained from voting. 151 voted in favor of this at this time. I just don't get it. I should though. We should get used to this. The globalists aren't necessarily winning, but they're definitely not losing. We need to keep fighting harder and harder and harder. That's it for the show today, guys. My time is up, as Joe Biden would say. I will see you all tomorrow. Lord willing, I will be back tomorrow with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where the Wellness Company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health FFN. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with a wellness company. Again, Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health slash FFN. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? 
where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.